well, fart. So man, you are yeah, profound. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to, to start the podcast off with, with something fart. With, with something a little different. Yeah, with like that's with an exclamation that's not something you hear every day. I told, told you about our our uh, I hear friend that every day. I told <laughs> like, you about our friend Cheeto, who has a, a son who I guess at the time was like seven or eight or something. He was like, "Hey, I want you to see my logo," and he had written in a very specific way several times over on their back patio in chalk the word "fart." <laughs> 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 I was like, "It's a pretty great logo, man." Yeah, uh, that was his ABCs. The guy who, um, the dude who was uh, one of the younger guys on the Office, who was also in the Hot Tub Time Machine movies. Whose name I can't John something or another. That's actually his Twitter handle is at fart. He got he, he like got in line <laughs> early enough and he was like, at "This fart. is what I want to be." Yeah. How did so, you decide? Like, like, were you in your way uh, in your car on your way over here? You know what? Let's talk about farts for the first. 10 no, minutes I just of the show. I just really was. I was just going to say something that wasn't the word so, and then throw it to Ryan, and then and you now, we're, now we're now we're in this. So anyway, Ryan. Um. Yeah, I'm here. We're back in Mark's garage. I've changed my foot gear for it. It's hot and sticky. I'm wearing flip flops. Oh, here you go. It's, it's some the, compelling audio. It's I know, the Jimmy I know. Buffett Ryan. That's right. Well, I'm going to eat a cheeseburger and uh, wear sweat a, in paradise. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, hang out with douchebags. I'm sure you guys. Um, well, I'm not sure, but um, you, as you have just heard, uh, Philip Fairjew is back. What's up? I think you. Word. I think you superimposed a couple of consonants there. Jerapoo. Oh man, yeah, Jerapoo. Yeah, I'm it's sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he just he a pair just of Jews. Whatever. A, I, a pair of Jews. A Jerapoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know what your name is. Anyway, that reminds yeah. me of a gym teacher first day. Julian Emanuelson. He'd be like, Adjapur. Yeah. Was like, that was the first name in the alphabet. Adjapur. I'm like, it's a Jerapoo. He's like. He just never, ever. No, I think there's like that's like four to me. Middle school, like middle school gym teachers, are apparently that's the way that you get that job is that you can't pronounce shit. Like those guys were like we had a there was a guy in the middle school that I, God, I wish I could remember his name. He couldn't remember mine. I don't know why it matters. But <laughs> was it but, Coach Hurd? Yeah, it was Coach Hurd. But that Coach guy, Hurd. like that guy, you would just uh, you would know like if you were standing in line. The people with like even moderately complicated names that he was just gonna fuck it all up every single day, and Without so was, fail. Th- that became game within the game. Was like, oh, this kid's name is Smith. I wonder what it'll sound like. <laughs> like, <Smithy>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Anyway, good well, we time. Should get to the matter at hand. Yeah, I was gonna say, guys, as riveting as this conversation about Coach Hurd or Hearn or Hurd Hurd is, he uh, tried out for the Cowboys once. Yeah. Oh, he that did. Was his claim to fame. Yeah, uh, he, that he tried out as a walk-on. Yeah. I guess. All right. And they well, said, go be a middle school gym teacher. <laughs> gym teacher. Yeah. yeah, that's how successful his football career was. Right. All right. Um, I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Phil. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mark. And this is Somebody Likes It. So we talked about this a few um, months ago. Um, well, I brought this up that uh, the Grateful Dead were just well, they actually just played their final show at Chicago Soldier Field, which I guess was where they played their last shows when Jerry Garcia was still alive. Did you call him Jared Garcia? No, Jerry Garcia. Don't okay. just now. You're gonna think that every name that I say is you're gonna be busting my balls all day long, Rin. Um, so 
They uh, was that you trying to fuck up my name? <laughs> That's not your name. That's not your name. <laughs> no, it's uh, Clark. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Clark. Uh, so anyway, they they so, so they finally did the shows. Uh, they played their last show on the fifth. But aren't um, they also playing some in like California? Well, like, now they're they kind had this whole screw up with the tickets. Yeah, now they're talking. But anyway, regardless of if they did, the reason I want to bring this up is that well, I, now uh, well, what I've talked about before was that people were attempting to scalp tickets for these shows upwards of a hundred thousand dollars a ticket because and they got it too. Yeah, well, look at the people that listen to the Grateful. Blood. A lot of lawyers, doctors, politicians, you know, Bill stuff Gates, like Al Gore, sure. Yeah, so I mean, I have one thing he and George Bush have in common, probably. So is your, is your point like how pissed would you be if you paid a hundred grand for a ticket and then they were like, oh wait, maybe we'll play one more show, adding a few dates? No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I mean that that's a good point, but I think that the people that paid a hundred thousand dollars for a fucking ticket to a goddamn concert they can afford to pay could home. afford to pay more. Sure. But no, my point is that I just want to say a couple of things because it, regardless of how I feel about the Grateful Dead, and it's not highly. Um, it does need. They have their place in rock and roll history. I mean, it. it I mean, it's. I, I've kind of. There were a lot of like, somewhat moving, tributes uh, and eulogies being given on various and sundry programs that I listened to over the last few weeks, and um, and it kind of got me like, well, do I do I hate them as much as I think I hate them? Or do you just I, hate their fans? Well, no, that no, 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 that doesn't change. Okay. Um, so I kind of, I kind of listened to a little bit of Grateful Dead. I didn't kind of. I did listen. There was a show, uh, a radio show, and they had like a tribute to the Grateful Dead, and they played a few Grateful Dead songs, and some of them were live. And I was like, no, they're horrible. They are horrible. But I don't hate them with the with the passion that I, that I used to hate them. And I, I and I don't. They've, they've got a few singles that I can. Get behind, kind of, if they're on the radio. You know what I think about the Grateful Dead is that they have some great songs that I like when other people do them. Like they're so they're like the Bob Dylan of bands? Yeah, I mean, I could get behind that. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, I like Bob Dylan's, but, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, Bob Dylan can't stand his voice. But I like it when other dude can write a tune. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, that's how I feel about it. I mean, there's definitely a few uh, off the top so of my head. So what is it about them playing that drives you bonkers? Uh, there's the way that the, the music, the feel of the music, um, it's really loopy and noodly and it's just not, and it sounds like really, um, like it's ramshackle and barely holds itself together. Whereas a lot of people would say like, you're completely wrong. They're making magic flow out of their fingertips, you know, as they create this to me, sonic it sounds, tapestry. If music is a conversation, you're trying to con- convey like one thought to the, to the listener. You know, and everybody in the band is serving that purpose. To me, the Grateful Dead always felt like, uh, like a room full of of dudes talking all at once, and you can't too many catch cooks. The, sure, Up, yeah, you can't catch the thread. And it's real yeah. stick up your butt rhythm wise. You know, it's it's real. I don't, I'm not sure what you mean by stick up your butt <laughs> for, rhythm wise. For, for lack of a for lack of a better not for lack funky. of a better term, white. It's some okay. white fucking music. Can I just say? The elephant in the room to me feels like, how long has Jerry Garcia been dead? Twenty years. Yeah, maybe those were the farewell shows. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it's like the it's Onion just... headline said. It said, "Head dead, head dead." Right. <laughs> we should move this forward. And you kind of said a, a, an operative word, and that was talking about people mellowing out. 
because mellow is about m- might be yeah. a, a word to That's describe the today's record, artist. Today's yeah. artist, which Kevin picked. So, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Yeah. So I've I've kind of been meaning to uh, to to get around to this record for a while, and um, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Tweety record, the Jeff Tweedies. Yes, the Not Tweety, Tweety record, Bird, but Tweety. Yeah. Tweet with it with a D, yes. yeah, uh, and ostensibly, it's what started out as a solo project for Jeff Tweedy, uh, and essentially evolved into a collaboration with his son Spencer, and a lot of the subject matter backs out against the fact that his wife was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma during that time, and so anyway, it's like, it's like there's this, there, there's an interesting conversation by by my inclination, there's an interesting conversation to be had sort of with what his legacy is and what the process of this record was and the way that that guy deals with stress. Uh, is the album is really thing? about Sue having lymphoma? Well, that's what well, the it's, it, it, I mean, that's Some yeah. of it, I think. Prob- I, probably not all. I think like, that's yeah. the backstory right. more but than... But I don't think it's like super explicit. Not only that, but like supposedly the album started out with 90 songs and then they pared it down to a trim pared 20. Down, yeah, a trim 20. Um, yeah, when I saw there were 20 songs on it, I was like, what the, f- who does this? Well, yeah. Some of them were five plus minutes long. It's not a short record. No, it's, it's not. Some of them not. were a minute and a half. Some of them couple, were The first song is. Yeah. The, the other reason was, is that, is that when, around the time that this record came out and I first got wind of it, I think maybe was the time that you were still on tour. And so uh, when Phil and I first came across Orbit, I don't know, five years ago? Yeah. Um, Christmas of 10. Yes. Through, through mutual pals, uh, we ended up sort of arguing about Wilco, which Phil at the time characterized as dad rock. And I, was, I sort of took umbrage at that. There's certainly some kernels of truth in that, that you, assessment. You I think I was at the Vanguard. Yet. Uh, I wasn't he was dad. barely a dad. I was barely two months. dad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think I was at the vanguard of calling them dad rock. I would like to think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> trailblazer. Yeah, you were at the, the for for. We'll talk about my feelings on on Wilco in a second, but but you were you're actually right. There is there's been this interesting trend starting about five years ago with people starting to say like someone it's probably news heard rock Ryan and, and I fighting about uh, Kevin and I fighting See, about. I'm it. not the only one that gets names right. wrong. No, it's true. Sure. Well, you both of us are here, so but we'll just yeah. <laughs> but I mean, someone probably heard us arguing at the Driscoll, and then like we probably started it. I probably started it. So I'm yeah. Like, oh. And anyway, we we launched a meme. That we night. we argued for an entire evening, and we've been pals ever since. And so that I was the friendliest argument. It didn't feel like an argument. Well, I know, but it, but um, but it was a it was a spirited discussion. But at the but at the very and a least, blossoming bromance. Uh, there you go. And the um and you know probably not coincidentally. That was right around the time. Um, I guess Sky Blue Sky was probably the most recent record they had put out at that point. Now that's a dad and rock. Maybe, well, yeah. And and maybe Wilco the album had come out by then. I don't know. I mean, I guess we can we can obviously we can obviously bear that out. But I mean, they put out a lot of albums. Yes, they those guys tend to work reasonably regularly, right, but fairly prolific. Yeah, but uh, but this. You know, I but I really wanted to. If we could get Phil back in here, I really wanted to talk about this record, not just because I think it's interesting fodder, and we haven't covered any Wilco related stuff or Ever? Tweety or no, not yet. Um, and so there's sort of a lot of fertile ground there, but also because Phil and I had this dad rock conversation, and this is literally dad rock, like it's the dad and the son, 
And like they're both. It's the daddiest. I put literally yeah. dad rock in my notes, by yeah. the way. So yeah. literally, literally, literally. Yes. Let me just state real, you know, for the record. I mean, obviously, like I think, like you said, I think we're all fans of Wilco. I don't know about you. I'm pretty you, neutral. You played for me back when it came out, Summer Teeth, and I thought that was a good record. Yeah, Summer yeah. Teeth. I is love a that classic. album. And that's what I was gonna say. Um, Ooh, as far son. as I'm concerned, I've actually seen them. I saw them open for REM with uh, Mer- Mercury Rev, like right around that time. I saw them live a couple of times. Um, with the one time that I saw them, that they were amazing. Also, Jeff Tweedy kept. It was like a private show at the Paris, which is like a 500 person, ro- 450 person room, um, and they were going to be headlining ACL the next day. But Tweedy had. Um, such bad migraine headaches he kept running to the bathroom to throw up he's yeah. throwing up and he had a bucket near the mic it was riveting but i've seen him twice before that where like it was kind of snooze town in the middle of it but um i think that this band like towards the end of the 90s in the early 2000s they were putting out records that were really deconstructing pop music trying really adventurous ways of recording um ultra um multi-instrumental they're kind stuff. of a jam band but they can like, be sometimes there are right? elements of that well, sure. but, I, yeah. but they have taste well, Jeff Tweedy is an incredible songwriter, yeah. uh, but, you know, bare bones. But you really well, – we'll get to this in a minute. You get to see how, how, how he is really helped by being in a band setting, I think, in, in Wilco as opposed to this album. But, um, but the guy still keeps cranking out remarkable melodies. Yes. You know, like – and the albums have become – like, the you know, like Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, uh, Ghost is Born, uh, Summer of Teeth especially – those are just incredible records. And then the records more recently have been, you know, not as good, but good, you know, yeah. but more like the dad rock thing, like more like middle of the road, mid tempo, less experimentation. So if dad rock is a pejorative, what do we mean by that? Well, I don't know. I, I assume that it's like the kind of, I, when you say dad rock, like I, well, I, I think as opposed to like the jokes that you make about dad's dad humor or whatever, uh, I think dad rock of more is like music Some, you put on in the background no, like, like, no music that's made by dads who have like settled in what's that old Seinfeld joke where like dads just wear like the, the, the wardrobe of the last year they were cool yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like just kind of like you know man I'm, I'm not trying that hard anymore yeah you know I'm not adventurous like the way I was in my 20s uh, well, that's what just, I think of when you say I mean right. I had never even thought I hadn't heard that term before but immediately I went to a place where I was thinking oh well it's solid but boring. It's dinner party music, you know, like background. Pleasant. You know, pleasant, but just not nothing. And um, It's not political. It's not about fucking. That, that, that kind of describes this. Why don't we listen to a, a song off this record? I have a lot to say about it. And um, 20 songs to pick from. What are you going to pick? Yeah, so I, I think why don't we start with uh, High as Hello. So low 
typically when I mention Pitchfork, we're usually talking about some sort of crazy revisionist history, like Come to Jesus, that they've figured out where they finally love an album that's been out forever that they originally trashed, and um, that was not the case with with uh, this record. But the guy who wrote the review for Pitchfork made a really interesting observation, and I just wanted to share it just to see if it's something that we agree with or or maybe we don't. All right. But yeah. So anyway, so he says, Jeff Tweedy makes sure he's never the best musician in the room. Ever since he learned the ropes from the more experienced Jay Farrar and Uncle Tupelo, he's surrounded himself with players who are either more technically skilled or possess, or possess a distinctive style. It's an odd strategy for an artist who is himself technically skilled and possesses a distinctive style, but over the last 25 years, it's proved successful. And Wilco 1.0, Jay Bennett helped shape the songs, the sunburnt pop of Summer Teeth and the twitchy roots noise grandeur of Yankee Hotel's Hawkstrot. And in, in uh, Wilco version 2.0, it was guitarist Nels Klein and uh, drummer Glenn Kotchke stretching Tweety songs into um, jams. So anyway, this is not to downplay uh, Tweety's contributions to the band he fronts, just the opposite, in fact, as he uses these idiosyncratic musicians to color in the corners of his own vision. So I don't know. What it sounds like to me is that's a guy who works with people who – can get on board with his vision and bring something a little bit different to it. I don't and, know. And that's exactly what I was just saying before we went to the break. It, you, it, this album makes it in, in, in stark relief to the, the Wilco records that the dude needs a good band behind him. I mean, the guy can write melodies. He is, and I'm not, this isn't hyperbole, um, easily my favorite Rock American. vocalist of the last 25 years. The way he sings. I no, love the way he oh, sings. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and I love his yeah, melodies. He can sing some bullshit. He so could cover some bullshit and it would sound. Uh, listen to the awesome. lyrics on Summer Teeth. He literally made them up on the fly. Like he had the melodies and he made them up in the studio. And they're nonsense, but he sells some, them. Some people can make nonsense sound prophetic. Yeah, well, I just can't. However, he can. It, he totally can. Yeah, he can. But the thing, okay, this is. This I, I actually want to address the Pitchfork review. We'll, we can come back to it. Oh, yeah, but please. I, he didn't read the paragraph that most is most salient to me. Oh, please do. Go ahead. Oh, You've sure. got it. You got sure. it dialed up Because I, I don't like this record nearly as much as anybody else in this room. There's about three songs on it that I was like, What, All the right. one we're listening to this week? Yes. Okay. Okay. I don't um, think we've talked about it. We haven't even talked about it. about it. Yeah, well, but, but that's fair. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. But sure. It, since you brought up the pit, Pitchfork review, I read all through all of it, and it's, it's really nice through most of it. And then the last paragraph is, of course, there's no reason it needs to be a double album. Uh, reportedly, the Elder Tweety penned 90 tunes, but pared it down to a somewhat more manageable 20. But this isn't being there, whose two sides obviously commented on and complicate, or compl uh, complicated each other. It said it's more like Sky Blue Sky, both in its aggressive, aggressive breeziness and its repetition, occasionally curdling into tedium. Uh, the sprawl is less generous than it is indulgent, rendering the album more intimidating and less accessible than it should be. And to me, like, I don't know, I got bored. Uh, can I, can I, I'm just going to read this. This is the <clears throat> summation of how Ryan feels about this record. This is a text I'm going to read that he sent me the other night. <laughs> well, he, he had sent out that text about, like, the song we're going to do. What we're going to be listening to, right. And Ryan sent back, right on, this Tweety record is boring my tits off, BTW. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, very succinct as usual. BT dubs. Um, yeah. I think when I started listening to this at first, and this is why, and this is, and I had to state that about how I think, and I'm glad that you read that guy basically, whoever wrote the review, I feel a lot the same as as far as him 
His songs are somebody to rein somebody in sometimes. No, is he a, needs is a, editors. Editors, editors right? No, uh, I need somebody to tell him no sometimes. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. By yeah, an but editor. you're also dealing with. Okay, yeah. so we haven't talked about even about how we feel about this record. This this is. That's pretty much how I feel about this record, too. I got the first two songs, and I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? And then, like, the next six songs, I'm like, somebody wake me up at, at some point. It, 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 like, it was sad. I hated to... Do you think I, we well, haven't... Well, it's not bad. And so here, here's how I felt about it. This, it. It finally was able to, like, put it into words in my head. It's like quinoa or the movie The English Patient. Like, I know it's good for me, but I really don't want anything to do with it. Well, <laughs> for, for me... <laughs> Okay, pretty good. Oh, good Lord. For, for me, there are, there are a couple of songs on this record um, that could be great songs, could be very interesting songs if you had real musicians writing real parts. Because let's, I mean, the elephant ro- in the room is this. It's a kid. It's his son. His son is not a good drummer. Um, he's technically proficient. Well, for but an 18-year-old, he he's a lot better than a lot of 18-year-olds. Sure. Yeah. But he's now Glenn Kochi. But, but uh, okay, but it, no, you don't. It, it, there's no qualifiers here. No. It, it, just because you're 18 years old doesn't mean that my brain goes, oh, well, I need to dial this down in my complaint. Right, department. it's a fucking album. You put it on. Don't distract me with right. the fact that you know. Yeah, there is one or two good, and we'll, uh, I'll tell you about this stuff later. But there's a couple songs in here that that out of nowhere he starts playing these really original. I think it's because he was hanging around really good drummers his whole life. Yeah, probably so, but I mean, he doesn't have any feel. He doesn't have any technique yet. I mean, the guy, he's not, he he is way, way, way better than most people are at his point in his development. Yeah, he's probably better than a lot of people who are older than him, too, but... But there's no feel. There's, yeah. it, and, and, it, and, it, and, and also, I it think... It should communicate something, and it, all it communicates is... It doesn't sentimentality from his dad. That's yeah. another thing that I think. I think that some some uh, another reason why this record didn't some of these songs didn't get polished as much or as they should have is that I, it's it's he's so proud that he's playing with his son on this and he's got he's looking at it through some rose colored glasses. He's Do you to. think that the press has been treating this thing with kid gloves? Well, here's the thing. Oh, Without a doubt. Yeah, I, I think oh, oh a, there's yeah, dad humor. See? Well, no, but you bring up a good point because I think that uh, Tweety and Wilco in particular have reached that spot that, 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 like, that like R.E.M. was in for a while or like Sonic Youth was for a while. Like you don't dare write a bad review of it. You just write like a loop. It's like, warmer. okay, well, like he's, he's kind of the great American songwriter right now. Like, okay, in some places a lot of people compare them as the, the American Radiohead. And if you look at the arc of both of their careers and their discographies, there's a strong case to be made. You know, he did the, um, the Mermaid Avenue Volumes 1 and 2 where they took the lyrics from Woody Guthrie, and mm-hmm. that was really great, too. The Billy Bragg thing. Right. That, and yeah. that was exactly. out right before Summer Teeth, where he completely deconstructed exactly. what he was doing. And that was really fantastic, too. Like, I still love those albums. And let me let me share a little something. So there was an interview that Tweedy did with The Atlantic that uh, where he talks a little bit about the creative process of making the album and why he decided to release it as a solo record instead of a new Wilco album. That the 90 songs that he put together were... Essentially, they were that was They're his writing process, and it around. wasn't necessarily yeah. like it could be. They could be Wilco songs. They could be something for solo. Those were the ugly whatever. children waiting to be drowned. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, no, no, no. It, I it, mean, that's at, <laughs> that's why you drown is, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. A, is this like is this is this like a part of American idiot? Is this American idiom or something like that? No, I don't, that's just that something I don't know. as a songwriter. I say like you know everyone's like oh your album's so good you but, know but you just said it so matter of factly as though that's something people yeah, that's say a, all the time. That's the normal. Also, those are the ugly kids waiting around to be drowned. Yeah. I drown the ugly kids. 
on that note. Uh, so so basically, Songs. he said he said I like to include elements of, of early recordings on the finished records when I can. Almost every song on Suki Ray has an original demo element somewhere in there. A lot of my iPhone acoustic demos. He doesn't explain sort of how to unpack that, but a lot of my iPhone acoustic demos became the basic tracks that we overdubbed to, and they're still in the finished record. That's why we listed the iPhone as an instrument in the track notes. The song I'll Sing It includes a cassette recording from uh, Being There era demo of that song. So that song has been around since the very first Wilco record. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said stuff lies around forever, and for this record, it was fun to kind of make use of some of it. So he did some rummaging, and he had some stuff that he hadn't been able to get back to. And there's some of it that sounds intentionally unpolished. I I think think a lot of times when people want to do a solo album when they're in a band, that's the first place they go is their back catalog of of songs that never quite made it for whatever reason, and you try to rewrite them. One of the things that I think really bogs this record down – is the uh, the lack of variation in the in the feel? It sort of starts well, blending. All, even yeah, though the song's short, it tempo, feels like um, one large, boring, sweet. Yeah, not much in the way of dynamics. Even like, the good, st- like there's some good. St- uh, the the um, um, nobody dies anymore is a, was yep. good. I mean, these are all great ideas, but every single one of them, without with maybe the exception of highest hello and, and low key. All felt like they could have been so much, and well, low key did could have been so much better with, with more interesting stuff going on around it. Um, Summer Noon, which I read, made it into the Boyhood soundtrack. I don't. It did. You want to let's do another song? Yeah, let's do. Um, let's do. Uh, we talked about. I mentioned. I, I, I'll sing it. Molly's gonna sing it. Let's listen. To I'll sing it. That I, I don't particularly care for, um, even though the drumming is better than most um, of the tracks on this on this record. It's that's one of the ones that just seems a little half baked to me. And there are songs on this record that are that are that just with a little bitty tweak, I think could be. Well, it's, what's weird is like um, sonically, it doesn't sound that far off from a lot of like Elliot Smith, but like Elliot Smith doesn't bore me at all. Well, agreed. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna co-sign that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I didn't think I was going to get approved. Yeah, I think part of the re- I, I I I genuinely think that he because the guy is is smart enough and savvy enough, even through the rose colored glasses of his 
playing and making a record with his son. Um, he's he's been around long enough and made enough interesting albums to know that the track arrangement is going to be a certain way. So it's got to be he he had something in his mind. You know, he wants this to be a rainy day record or a background record. It's just it, it, it doesn't land. Did anybody listen to it from beginning to end without reading anything, without, like, Yeah, listening? I did. Uh, yeah. I got to about the last three or four songs, and then I finally, like, was like, I got to figure out, like, if, if I'm just out in left field here. So I, yeah. I looked up the Pitchfork review, and that was I put that it through my stereo and laid down once and listened to it, and it went by faster than when I was paying attention and reading lyrics. Yeah. And it definitely feels like it's got, like, like the first – Half of the album has a mood, and the second half of the album has a mood. But it feels like demos. I mean, even it does. Like, it does, it, I mean, sure. a lot of that. I think if again, I, you know, I said this before. It's a really fast double album at seventy minutes. Yeah, but it's a really long set of songs. It's a really you know, long seventy like, minutes. Yeah, but I mean, you could you could strip it down and 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 take like the you know the top like the ten, the ten best songs, and there would still be three that are. That are half right. baked, but there were there's probably and about six probably, or seven songs that are really come in good. Thirty five minutes, and it would be a tidy, tight little album, a little better. Production. And it would it would make sense because it, you know it's it's such a stripped down album. But what and it would lot. probably still get dogged by the people who are going to dog. And uh, it would probably like, still get its dick sucked by everybody. No, else. and you're we're, you're exactly right on that he's too. That like, totally I felt right. terrible like, not being crazy about it because he seems like a dude I would really like to hang out with. You shouldn't feel terrible. I mean, I love. I, I, I mean, started. You like no, what you like. Like yeah. that is. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, not a good album. I mean, I love. Jeff I don't Woody. agree I with love that Wilco, but I mean, I don't, I don't like, feel like he's taking the piss, and I don't feel like he's fucking with his audience just to be like, "What can I get them to buy?" You no, know, like of I don't not. feel like it's like Bob Dylan, "Christmas in the Heart." Here's here's where I think the rubber meets the road on this. I did see when Wilco played Austin City Limits. Like I saw the I saw the TV broadcast of that. You saw the taping. What year? Yeah. I, well, this like last year, okay. 2014. And like so, the, or not Wilco, in, Tweedy. So when Tweedy when Tweedy played, uh, it was it was the arrangement that they brought to this record. Uh, when I say arrangement, I mean the band that they brought to that record, and they played a handful of songs off of this record, and then he played some Wilco stuff. I watched it because that record had not been out very long at that time, and I thought, okay, well this will be interesting to sort of see how he approaches what this is, and. Um, that it's a little bit of a that's a side project or a little bit of a different thing, and he was very cognizant of, like these are the songs that that are a part of this record that we're ex- like that I want to share with you guys, and then oh hey here are some Wilco songs that you know like, right so, well I, for whatever it's worth like that's how it went. Well, you know I think a lot of times with the benefit of hindsight and hearing what people have to say like. It, Certain things that you hadn't noticed when you're in the bubble of recording make a little more sense. I want to say one r- thing real quick before we go to the intermission, and and I want to comment on the Elliot Smith thing that you're saying. Um, what was the the album that was released posthumously, uh, from, like from the house at the bottom uh, of the from a from mansion a basement, on a hill, from basement, a basement, basement on a hill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a longer record. Yeah, and there's a lot of. I think that's a double album. It is a double album, yeah. and there's a lot of filler in there too. It, like, there is. It, so it wasn't so, around to trim it down. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It, but he also but, gets credit for that. Like, it, you know, there's never going to be another Picasso. You know, like, the same thing happened yeah. with Jeff Buckley with sketches for my sweetheart. Uh, right, top. and that's right. another one that I was going to bring up. I, even though th- those were posthumous releases. I'm just saying, no matter how good the writer is, um, without the proper controls, one being Man, if you're not alive, albums. the other being if you're you it's a know, better excuse than just right. The other well, thing no, I don't know, but if he's no. playing with Double his son, albums are I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving him a free pass or anything. Yeah. I'm just saying, no matter how good a writer is, 
put 20 songs together on one recording, and it's, it's too very much. rare. It's, it's too, too much, much to digest. Mm-hmm. It's too much to digest. Okay, let's go to the intermission, Mark. Yep, I've got intermission. This is Ryan here. Um, and I actually picked a band um, that we had talked about when we first started up this podcast, actually covering one of the records. Then I went and listened to it, and I was like, eh. But I love this song, and the uh, video we're going to watch, while very good, is not actually by the band. Um, the song is, but it was made by... It's uh, like one of those fan, fan videos. One of those fan videos. And like when I tell you who this is, you'll understand. It's Fugazi and its waiting room. Because it's they don't song. do they don't do videos they don't that's make true t-shirts, they don't we'll or get, t-shirts <clears throat> yeah but we'll get into that so let's get into uh, waiting room by Fugazi. Shane had to terrify me with one of his future picks, uh, but we'll we'll get to that at a later date. Uh, but no, this is this is far and away my favorite Fugazi song. Uh, it's a good it's far song. Far and away, everybody's favorite Fugazi. I song. think it is. Yeah, I like some songs on. The, I mean, it, it's a classic. I mean, it's a great song. It's I, definitely I, their their big hit. It's their big it's, hit. Yeah. yeah, I like some stuff quotes. on repeater. I like the song repeater yeah. a lot. But well, I always thought of Fugazi uh, as that band that people who were cooler than me liked. Okay. Well, and then but, I've gone off and listened to some of them. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in that way about them too. But le- but I want to say something. Like I used to think that too. Like Fugazi was that band that people that were cooler than me listened to. But then that song, Waiting Room, came out, and I can't tell you how many times this has happened multiple times in my life where some drunk dude, which is ironic considering Amakai's proclivities, like straight edge, right? Yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. kind of started that. He did start it. Yeah. Okay. Right. And he um, didn't mean to. He just did. So, it's, but how many times I've seen drunk guys put that song on jukeboxes, or or and and like drunkenly dance and fall over shit or get into fights or stuff like this song? Though arguably one of their better, if not best, songs, changed their audience. It's well, yeah. it's, it's their classic rock song, I guess. It's their crossover know. hit. To yeah. It's their the, crossover hit to guys to that are drunken into bros. aggressive music that wear their hats backward. Right, you know? no, I mean, but like, well, you listen to that song, what do you want to do? I want to break shit, I'm a pacifist. I mean, I'm Indian, my people gave you Gandhi, I want to break shit. <laughs> I don't know, I thought, that video bored my tits off. I thought the video but, was uh, <laughs> very <laughs> nice. amusing. Way to bring it full circle. Yeah, that, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> ETW. But, uh, but, it's nice to know that there are very polite guys uh, who seem to be manning 
some sort of door to the netherworld. There was a door to the, heaven. Well, yeah. like we said, that's a that's a fan video. Um, that is not made by the band, and they don't. Oh no, make, no, no. We're not talking about whether it's made by the the fans or the band. We're yeah. just talking about uh, the video. How, how well, it let's just get like off. like old found footage from like newsreels or something. No, uh, it was uh, like a newsreel. movie. No, yeah, it was some, yeah, door some, to heaven yeah. or hell or whatever. I thought yeah. it was incredibly amusing because I couldn't figure out what the fuck was going I on. I think it's yeah. purgatory. Yeah, probably so, and that's, that's why it's waiting room. Yeah, 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 it's it's literal. But right, uh, but I like how the but what really made it interesting is like it's raining and the, this is like by the way we should we should say this and this video was probably or the this footage was probably shot like in the mid thirties, yeah, something like the late thirties. It's on black and white. Yeah, and uh, at one point there's a guy trying to get into the door to heaven. Oh yeah, and there's like little suns and moons and stars like on the wallpaper all around him. Right. Um, and he's trying and, and the door to heaven is locked to him and then it changes and this dude opens the door and ushers in all these other people but that guy's nowhere to be seen at that point. So it was very interesting. I mean, maybe anybody, the Ed Wood of his I mean it's day. better than my videos. If anybody yeah, wants to have videos? No. Okay. If anybody no. watches this <laughs> like video Fugazi. or knows what the fuck we're talking about, feel free to Shoot us a message and let us Chime know. in the comments. Uh, yes. We should at some point. Like, I do think Fugazi is a really interesting business model. Yeah, no. Like, it's, those guys, yeah. like, in addition to, like, no T-shirts. So, like, people would print up, this is not a Fugazi T-shirt. And, and then people be- would buy them. Yeah, from right. people in who are not way, in they're the like almost They're like the, the punk rock equivalent of the Grateful Dead. Well, and let's, and let, they would only like how much were they charging whole, for years and yeah. years? Like it just five seems bucks, seven maybe. Well, yeah. let's be clear that that model only works if your band is good, because True. there are plenty of Whoa, shitty bands that the Grateful Dead. Well, yeah, well, I was, was going to say. Okay, like, let me let me let me rephrase. If your band is good and or has a certain amount of largesse, like the like either one of those things will do. In this case, with Fugazi, it worked because that band was interesting enough that people wanted to come back and see well, them. Well, they operated a, a, an actual label. Not like yeah. a vanity label just to put out their crap. Like they put out a real label, Discord. Yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, Discord was a real label that put out a lot of really good seminal. I mean, they DC still are. punk stuff. Yeah, they still are. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting. Like, I don't understand. Like, it seems to me like if you, there's a point where you can take conviction to being strident, and that's that's where some of Ian McKay's stuff i think it's just stridency it's almost like um well it's a little intolerant a little self-righteous self-righteous is a great a great way to describe it a little smug Um, i don't know the smug is is the i mean i think a lot of these things come from a lot of his a lot of the the, true convictions yeah like like the tenets of which you know like the setting the ticket price is extremely low i mean they come from a from a good place but i mean like what do you? I mean, with the no T-shirt thing, like, what are you trying to actually solve there? Like, get T-shirts and give them to your fans. Like, these are fans of yours that want to wear something with it's your promoting l- you. It's but yeah. see, but that's but the thing. If well, you're poor because you're not, you know, charging a lot for ticket prices, and it's like yeah, but charge got to come from somewhere charge five to make bucks. T-shirts. I mean, it's just it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, like if I were 16 years old and my favorite band in the entire world was Fugazi. I want a fucking Fugazi t-shirt. Yeah, well, Ian McKay's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, just doesn't give a fuck. He's kind of a dick. That's just like... He's slightly up. insufferable. I have no idea. But he has, I mean, or mm-hmm. you could just say he's got his uh, his ideals. We'll go back and talk about Tweety a little bit more now, I think. Yeah. 
So there's a there's a there's a quote from Tweedy, from Jeff Tweedy, since we're talking about more than one of them. It's true. Uh, yeah, about about the difference in working with an ensemble and then what this project turned into. Mm-hmm. And he basically what he said is it's totally different. It's a totally different process working with an ensemble. Wilco is a six-piece band, and its members have varying degrees of interest in the finishing touches. As a collective, we always gravitate towards something that's much more fully realized, and that's the pleasure of it, working on my own. I always hope to abandon something. And this is He doesn't ever like fully explain this, but he's like, I always hope to abandon something before I feel like I've made all of the choices that could be made. If I commit too much to one approach, I mourn all the choices that weren't made when I get to that point. I think that's the one way that Suki Ray would have been different if it had been recorded by Wilco. I could still hear possible overdubs on every track. I can still hear things I would have done, and that's the most enjoyable part for me. It's the same thing I love about Daniel Johnson's music. It's all that unrealized potential. So maybe that answers. I don't know if that answers. Sort of some intentionally of the, demo-ish. That casts it in yeah. a different light. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind the idea of intentionally demo but you do. Like, you don't like lo-fi. And not, not, well, not terribly, no. Um, One of the things that, that we talked a little bit about in the, in the break was um, the idea that, you know, I think, I think when I – Raised my hand and said, okay, well, let's talk about this record. Part of it was because I thought, okay, well, Phil's in town. This will give, uh, give us an opportunity to tell this, like, ridiculous backstory on how we got From to be From five buddies. years ago, yeah. From five years ago, with no, which nobody cares about. And, uh, and then beyond that, I thought, well, you know, kind of, in a weird way, it's a gateway to sort of talking about whatever the hell, like, people think about Wilco. And some people think quite a lot about them, and some people are not as into it. And I suppose that goes for any act that's had any sort of uh, arc of mainstream success and, and longevity. And longevity. And you mentioned the parallels between Radiohead and and uh, Wilco being referred to as the. I think it was Closterman that said that they mm-hmm. called them the American Radiohead. Yep. But anyway, at, uh, you know, Shane uh, mentioned that sometimes his lyrics are nonsensical, but they sound they heavy. They are. Yeah. I mean, he was they, making them. He's got on a the voice. Fly. His voice is an instrument that sounds prophetic. He has an do we, amazing does, voice. Do any of us know what an aquarium drunkard is? No. A drinker? No. Yeah. Aquarium drinker? Drunk, well, aquarium drunkard is a music blog. Have but, you ever uh, actually but, set your son on a big wheel wagon while you're falling in love? No. I'm just going to say that. So. <laughs> well, I mean, what other Those wagons are Those words sound good together. They yeah. sound great when he <laughs> sings them. Right. Like yeah, that that's best the best song on the album. <laughs> it's like, He's got a very Lennon-esque ability to take words that sound good and imbue them with meaning that doesn't actually exist. You know, that, that when you say ability, you hit the nail on the head. It's so hard to explain or, you know, there's so much to be said for the way that you employ consonants and syllables in – As an instrument. As an instrument. It's true. This guy is a fucking genius. And even Robert if this Paul is – just really good at that. You're yeah. right. Um, right. He is. And, like, those words don't mean dick. Like, no, like, but he's good at the consonants. Yeah. Right. But back to Sukire, is it his greatest album? No. And, like, I'm going to just say, like, okay, nobody's actually looking at Tweety as if it's another band. Wilco is Jeff Tweety. Tweety is Jeff Tweety. It doesn't matter who's playing on it. It's a Jeff Tweety side project from distinct Whatever. From the fact right. of the matter is dude's got skills as a writer. It, All those great players don't mean shit if they don't have no, songs to play on. No, I disagree. Okay, I, I, I get that with that when you ended it with the last thing. I'm right. just saying, but all those good players, if you surround yourself with good and – we, and, we, and we talked about this at the top of the show. But part of the reason I think that this album is lacking 
um, comparatively with the rest of the catalog is the fact that there aren't those it's great unrealized. players to reign or to to help, as you put it, to, you, you know, editing is king. And you know that as I a do. songwriter. So editing I, is I, king. I mentioned earlier that there were three songs that I like. I'm just curious if I'm on the same page with you guys at all. Oh, sure. Man, I have it was, a lot it was of wait for like It was Wait for Love, um, Summer Noon, That's a great and one. Fake for Coke. Were the three I mean, that, that was a great one? Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll listen to stuff in the car, and then I'll look down at my phone if it's one that I actually like, and I'm like, oh yeah. Like yeah, all three of those. You know, I liked the really mellow songs on this album, where Spencer wasn't really drumming all over it, yeah, and all hip hop, and it felt like a Jeff Sol- a Jeff solo album. Those sounded good, but the, it felt like he was fumbling a little bit sometimes. But that's a whole other conversation. You didn't yeah. like Low Key. I liked Low Key. It, it, I was like, was yeah, one that stuck out like to me. the one with all the female harmonies on it. Yeah. Uh, I might. I mean, I, I listened to this record once through, and that could have been something where something was pissing me off I in like traffic. My love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we listen to one more before we get out of this record? Okay, Mr. Other Newsom. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know. Maybe we ought to do one that at least we've been talking around and about uh, the younger Tweedy's drumming prowess or the opposite thereof. Why don't we do a little bit of slow love, and uh, and go out on that. And so it was a long cold night been pretty clear about the fact that there's you know if we want to go down the rabbit hole on Dwef, Jeff Tweedy related projects where there's lots and lots we could talk about there for sure um, this is a little bit of uh, yeah the gateway drug where where that stuff is concerned just in terms of like having that those kind of conversations about what the conversation or what the contribution of that guy has been so anyway at the very least uh, thanks for indulging uh, my uh, Foray into eclectica. Well, I, there was and, and as much as bad stuff. As much as I sounded yeah. a little bit negative about it, there were definitely some highlights. Man, um, I would rather listen to this album from beginning to end than two more minutes of sticks. <laughs> Holy shit! Well, <laughs> sure, <laughs> yes, yeah. but that goes without saying. I could like, I could conceivably make out to this album. Well, and I, I will say, uh, there's no uh, like, yeah, 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 right, yeah, because it's got a flow. It's got a mood sure. and then a mood. It like starts fast and it slows down. You know, there's no frenzied uh, Tommy Shaw related video that, that went along with this. Uh, Man, that was rough last week. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. This so was way it just I don't know who picks those things. They just pop <laughs> up from time to time. Right. But um, last thing I want to say about about this album is yeah, it's pretty much what I said. If I had one major criticism, sh- get a better drummer. But 
if I if this, is that maybe sour grapes because his kid is like man, no, you haven't done no, shit it's not at all. No, not the seed of Jeff Tweedy, but it's, it's purely from a listening standpoint. But if I have a second major criticism after get a better drummer, it is shorten this album by half, and then you've got like seven. Pretty good starts to songs, if not great songs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in the can at this point. Uh, Even his cast I'm just saying, and, and, uh, there's gold in them hills. Well, I'm just I, saying, if they want to call me and ask me how to present the re-release, I could, I'll give them some tips. Right, a little Suki, a little less Ray. Yeah. <laughs> well, all I want to say yes. is, in conclusion, <laughs> fart. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. Well, did you oh, just pull that now? Now it's a donut. Circle? It's a total donut. We okay. bookended the show with a fart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. What's uh, next? Current affair. Yep. All right. We'll see you in a sec. Our stories are real. A current affair. Our stories are original. Morning pulling. You have no rules here. If you want to see a story that answers the question, no, he didn't do that, did he? Watch a current affair. Feeling it's like a step visceral, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fart burp, it's like, yeah, we're seven years old. I mean, pretty much anybody that's ever listened to the show knows that already, it's true. But tonight, just letting that freak flag, fart flag, fart. Thank you, Phil. Did I light the fuse on that? Yeah, you did. So that was Uh, Retriever by the Dodos, a band that, um, I apparently they're a bigger deal that I'd never heard of them. Oh, I, 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 they're a semi big deal. Uh, Stephen Bress um, told me... your former drummer? Current drummer. Current drummer. Yeah, and lawyer. By the way, if you guys need any sort of... <laughs> lawyer, lawyer combination. Uh, Stephen Bress. <laughs> B-R-E-S. I, I told him... I, she, I told, I, he's I, the Bress? I texted him the other day like... I he's certified t- by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization? Yes. Well, right. he's, he's at least passed the bar. <clears throat> um, so... I told him the other day that he needs to have as his like I should be his his point guy when it comes to promoting himself, publicizing himself. The Jared Fogel. And I want I want him to take a cowboy hat off his head, turn to the camera, aim the cowboy hat at the camera and go, you need to breast for success. Like, and then, like, have a little bit of fire in the background. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, and people I like will shooting fight guns. for you. Okay, so, <laughs> anyway. But it even said something that, that made a lot of sense about this band is that they, they don't have, like, one or two songs, and you're like, this is really exciting music. Same thing with the, kind of the Wilco album. Not a lot of dynamics. Like, the songs kind of get really samey. Repetitive. Change. But I like that in this song, personally. Like, I think it's really interesting. But how about the album? 
I don't know the album. I don't. Okay. This is their most recent album. Gotcha. So anyway, that's how I feel about it. I, I thought it was a solid tune. Uh, it did a little bit remind me of the first song on Siamese Dream. What is that? I could. Yeah. You know what? I never would have thought that in a million years, but I can hear that. Yeah, the, I can hear the that drumming. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. It's the drumming. Yeah, but I think like one of the things about this song that. I liked so much, and you know, time will tell if you choose to listen to this again. But about the third or fourth time, I locked into like there's so much repetition in the drums and in the um, the bassy keyboard stuff. Something just locked into my brain about the third time I listened to it. I put it on a mix, and I was like, "Oh, I completely get this now." And then it just became like trying to eat one potato chip. So maybe you just didn't listen to LCD Sound System enough. Because they're really repetitive. According to Shane, uh, they I, are. I've heard them <clears throat> constantly all over the place and parties I've been going to for... I'm not going to get back on this conversation. Shane is, Shane is gesturing. <laughs> Have you watched that Shut Up and Sometimes repetition is good. I don't need to talk bad. about LCD. Yeah. I love documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. How about documentaries? You want to talk about documentaries? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Have you Let's, seen uh, Shut Up? We'll talk about. The, we'll I talk about how much we love the Big Lebowski. Sh- shut up, you fucking idiot! <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'm I, not an LCD sound system fan either. That documentary is beautifully shot, much like Ashes. I thought we were talking about documentaries tonight, which was going to be really I think cool. He gets a payout. Documentaries. Yeah. Why yeah. isn't that a Netflix genre? Uh, right. Christ. Exactly. But Puppy Bowl. Somebody want to say how they feel about the damn song, other than me and Ryan? Uh, this song. Yeah. The song you just listened to. Um. It's pretty groovy. I, I don't think I would want to listen to a whole album of it if it's all like that. But yeah, I wouldn't either. No, and well, and I think to your, you know, to the point. So the way that Shane like kind of put this to, at least to me, and I assume to Ryan also, was like, all right, so this is this is the kind of thing that like typically we don't do the big reveal until the night of the show, but but like it also is best experienced in sort of an immersive environment. Yeah, and it's so a headphone like, song. Yeah. So or I was a like speaker song. Yeah. So I was like I was like, all right, I'll I'll give it that. Anyway, yeah, I could see how like it feels like it should be something that is best experienced a look like like in an immersive environment. I did say what the name of the song was, by the way, because did I because we were joking at the beginning. Well, it's, it's Retriever by the Dodos. Just in so case I did I think I did, but But even I'm, if it isn't, now we've retrieved it, so it's perfect. Yeah. Yes. And Mark Trump pointed mode. out that this band was extinct. So um, that was pretty that, funny, though. That is yeah. pretty funny. Yes. The way he said, it, he's like, "Is okay, this band so, extinct?" Yes. You know, like I think I think I would rather listen to Suki Ray because of Jeff Tweedy's voice. Well, and it's not necessarily an either or thing. Yeah, it's, it's not like, like a like, competition. Yeah. I mean, this is this is it's a very like, different thing. Is? The last segment doesn't have to win or lose. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, nobody. nobody oh, somebody's, man. somebody's getting but voted man, off the come island. on! Last <laughs> week, last week, the last segment totally won. Did it? Are you presenting it a rose? Oh yeah, oh, no, yeah. it's getting the gold fucking medal. Come on! No, uh, after after we went away from the first. Two after we went away from sticks. Oh, uh, that's true. And we ended up with spoon. Yeah, that that last segment last week was going in straight. Man, I felt like hot I felt like I went home with the hot chick. That track came on. <laughs> But it's just because you got it's beat with a ball peen hammer for forty five minutes. <laughs> oh, it's right yeah. in the knees. Metaphor. That's an, <laughs> <laughs> hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. This was fun, y'all. Like uh, crying out loud, Suki Ray. And you know, we didn't actually spend a lot of time talking about the fact that uh, uh, that I guess during the recording of this record, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that that Mrs. Tweedy was handling, like, is sort of. And we talked a little bit Under about control? it. Under control? Yeah, well, I don't, like, I don't actually know the end of that story. 
So I certainly hope it is. We would, we would, we would, we would, would certainly hear about it. If we would have heard if it didn't work out so well. Yeah. But like, so hopefully it's a, as, um, as, as luck to be would continued. have it, as luck would have it on, a, on like a, not hopefully not too. I know it. Okay, let me finish. Okay, as not a not, <clears throat> it is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma among people who have who have had that that type of affliction gets referred to as um, this is it's terrible to say. Well, I'm not going to say it. It's not it's not as serious as other types, and so hopefully she's great. All right, so I think I know. Um, do tell. Uh, I want to do um, Psycho Candy by uh, Jesus and Mary Chain. That was on my list of the next top. Well, you're just going to oh. have to. No, 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 that's great. That's Sacre great. Bleu. No, that's great because now now I have another album move up that I want to talk about. Okay. So. All right. You've got more in reserves. Always so. looking on the bright side. There you go. But, yeah, that's one. And I love just about every Jesus and Mary Chain song I've ever I've heard. I've never and, heard that album. I've never heard that album all the way through. So. Oh, that's great. Good pick. I cannot wait to talk about that. Brilliant. So we'll be back that's, in... That's fucking brilliant, by the way. Also fucking. Yeah. Are you imitating... Uh, remember... The, we should mind. go. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah let's Can get we out go? of here. Let's go. All right, uh, let's get out of here. For Until next week, I'm... You're still going to be Shane. <laughs> I'll still Steve. be Ryan. I'm Steve. <laughs> I'm Phil. That's Clark. <laughs> I'm Clark. <laughs> I'm, I'm Kevin. I'm Apu. <laughs> Fart. <laughs> Somebody likes it. <laughs>